Well, good evening, and yes, it is evening here at Greenville Seminary, and this is the Confessing Our Hope podcast. This is broadcast number 74, and it is January 13th, 2015, and if memory serves, I think this is the first edition, or at least the first recording of the podcast for the new year. I have released a few in the new year, but this is the first one we've recorded in the new year. So anyway, so welcome to the program, and I do thank all those who do listen faithfully to the podcast, I want to quickly bring everybody up to speed, and I mean quickly because we have a very short period of time available to us this night um, to talk with our guest. But just real quick, uh, everybody knows that listens to this podcast that the Greenville uh, Spring Theology Conference is right around the corner. That will be uh, sometime early March, and if you want more information about that, simply go to our website, gpts.edu. In addition to that, you can find out all the information about the podcast at Confessing Our Hope. Dot com. So enough housekeeping for today. Let me introduce our guest, and we'll talk about our subject. And it's it's interesting because the, we actually did this podcast, as it were, about, I don't know, a number of months ago, and right in the middle of it just got, poof, we disappeared. So, But anyway, Pastor Bill Shisko is our guest uh, t- uh, tonight, and, and there's no chance of being cut off because he's actually sitting in studio, as it were, um, because he's been here for a week teaching a class on the material we're actually going to be talking about tonight, at least to some degree, but he is the pastor of Franklin Square Orthodox Presbyterian Church um, there in Long Island, New York. So, Pastor Shisko, it's great to have you on. Uh, I rushed along with that introduction, but I think most people know who you are and uh, know a little bit about what you've been doing for the last 34 years. Almost. Almost Well, 34 34 years in Long Island. Yes. It'll be, uh, it was 35 years in October that I was ordained, so it's been longer that I've been doing that. Yep. My age is being opened up before the podcast audience. Yes, that's correct. Well, that's okay. You've been recorded all week long in the class he's been teaching, just for the listener's sake. He's been teaching a class here at the seminary that he does every January for fourth-year students. The the class is called Reformed Pastor, and um, it has been an absolutely outstanding class. And just as a a side note, um, pastors who um, maybe have been in the ministry for a while and maybe feel like they need to be refreshed or need to be uh, just, they just need to be a a tune-up, for lack of a better word, I would encourage you to think seriously about taking this class. Talk to your sessions, maybe get some time away, a study leave, whatever the case may be. Take this class. It's every January. Um, The material is outstanding. Um, Very excited about it, but Anyway, that's a programming note. You can contact the seminary if you're interested in doing something like that, but I think um, it has been done before um, by other pastors, and it would very much uh, maybe refresh or help. But anyway, we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk with Pastor Shisko about an article he wrote in May of 2013. At least it was published in May of 2013 on the Ordained Servant online website. That's the online publication arm of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church, and the subject matter tonight is organic officer training. Now, we started talking about this a number of months ago in the, under the guise or the rubric of you know elder training or officer training. Right. So we're going to distill it a little bit, I think, this evening. But, Pastor Shisko, real quick, I mean, define that for me. Organic officer okay. training. I don't think we hear that too often. No, we don't. It's a term that's used commonly in Herman Bovink's Reform Dogmatics. Mm-hmm. I like it 
because it, it talks about things growing out of the life of the church, so organically things growing out of the life of the church. Officer identification and training and certification isn't imposed on a church. It grows out of the life of mm. the church. Very good. Now, you say right out at the outset of the article, and, and I'm coming right out of class, so bear with me as you listen to this. I'm working my way through the article, as it were, um, at the same time I'm talking. So, But I, it, what caught my eye right away as I was quickly reviewing this for the podcast is that you make the statement that there's there's a basic absence of training in the local churches for officers in general, elders, deacons. Why do you think that is? From what I've heard, I hope that this is changing, but uh, from what I've heard, it's not uncommon to have uh, term elders where you have to have a certain number of men as officers right. and people are nominated and put before the congregation and the training is not treated well. And particularly when you're not to lay hands hastily on any man, there are certain requirements that the scriptures give for the for the graces of a man. And when we have vows that men need to take if they're going to be ordained to the office of ruling elder or deacon or minister, mm-hmm. these are serious matters. And when, whenever vows are taken in church life, the whole... A category of Ecclesiastes 5 and the warnings about not taking vows thoughtlessly kicks in. So this is, whenever you have vow, churches need to realize this is serious business and must be treated as such. Absolutely. And of course, you get into, you start out with the basic, you know, the normal places, you know, the qualifications for elder, deacon, um, from those classic passages in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. But then you move into this how should sessions approach officer training organically? Right. And that's what I, re- I want us to focus on, I think, um, for the balance of our time, which will be shorter than a normal podcast. Yeah. Sorry, all you podcast nutters out there, but it will be shorter than normal. I'm sorry. But that's just the way things are. But it's still going to be good. So tell us, is this something you do at Franklin Square? Well, Have well, you, has yeah, it evolved? Sure. Well, let me back up a little bit, sure. Bill, on this because we're talking about organically. Jesus didn't give a lot of things we were to pray for specifically. We have the Lord's Prayer. But but one of them is, is in Luke chapter 10 and verse 2. And this is after he, he, he's speaking of, 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 the, of Israel without shepherds. And, and he says that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And the laborers, there are shepherds. And both ruling elders and ministers or teaching elders, as they're called in the, in the PCA, are shepherds. And now in that context... He says, therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out, to thrust out laborers into his harvest. So organic officer training begins with and is undergirded by congregations in which individually and is led by the elders, they are praying that God raise up laborers in that church body, particularly in this context, raising up elders, which is what we're talking about this evening. So, So that's the first thing. When it comes to the session, healthy elder meetings ought to always have time in them in which elders are discussing men within the congregation who have the raw material, who they believe have the raw material for the eldership. Same thing for the diaconate, but we're dealing with, with the eldership here. Mm-hmm. Do they uh, do they manifest the, the gifts that are given in, in the raw material in 1 Timothy 3? And Titus 1, do they show those graces? 
Are they men who not only just love the Word of God, but the, but they show some aptitude to teach or may show that? Are they able to communicate vocally? If a man's going to be apt to teach, if a man's going to exhort, he's got to have those vocal gifts. Is a man able to lead? If a man doesn't, if a man doesn't rule over his household well, how can he lead the church of God? So the elders are looking at those things, looking at faithful attendance at worship and, 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 and looking at a, at not just a meteoric kind of godliness, right. but a persistent godliness over yep. time. I know one of the things that we look for is in the way a man manages his home. Does he help his wife and his children think through things in light of the scriptures and our standards? Because that's what he will do as a ruling elder. But el- but but organic officer training, people are praying, elders are training, are praying, and they and they are looking for those kinds of men. So so in, in a nutshell, then you would say that the idea here is to is to identify men. You're praying for men. You're you're looking out at the congregation. But you're looking for men that are actually acting, as it were, like elders. Exactly. Without the office. Well, certainly in their own homes, at least. You want to see men that manifest that. We look, one of the terms that comes up often is gravity. Mm. Do, do, mm-hmm. do, there may be men who are, who are godly, but, but they, they don't command respect. And by sober, we're not talking about somebody who scares you because he's frowning all the time, but, but rather somebody who just commands respect. People go to him and ask for his advice. So el- elders are looking for, for this kind of a thing in a man. Now, let's say for the sake of argument and to like maybe push the fast forward button a little bit, we're, we're, we're on a session, you and I were on a session, and uh, we're praying for new elders, and we identify a couple of men. What's the, what do you do next? Once the elders are agreed that a man, we're just talking about eldership, so sure. a man uh, is to be trained for the eldership, we ask him. Now, the scriptures say if a man desires the office of a, of a bishop or an elder, if the man clearly says, I'm not interested in this, or I don't think right now would be good, or whatever. We respect that. But if we believe that God has given him gifts, we would encourage him to to continue to seek the office. You've got to be reasonable. Uh, If a man has two or three jobs, he's having a hard time balancing things, and he can't take the time that would be necessary to be an elder, let alone to train for it, respect it. But but it's an important thing. If if elders see those raw materials, that's part of an, an what I what I call anyway an external recognition that a man has those gifts. Now, hopefully, the man's going to be willing to at least be trained for the office of elder. And here, there's different ways to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, when a man is in a mission church, he probably is going to have a much more extensive kind of elder training. But what we do in Franklin Square, since we've been around for a while, is I'll take about three different meetings with a man who who says, no, I have not thought about this, but I'm not sure I'm going to be committed to serve if I'm asked to, but uh, but I'm willing to be trained. We take three, I take three meetings with that man, he has to read through our standards. So basically, a third of the Westminster Confession for the first meeting, third for the second, third of the third. At least the Westminster Confession is a, as approved by the Orthodox Presbyterian Church. Uh, the related catechism questions, and I'll give him a copy that that he marks and and ask, what are the sections you don't understand? Are there any areas with which you disagree? And we'll we'll talk about those things because that man must, above all else, sincerely receive and adopt 
mm-hmm. those confessional and catechetical standards as the system of doctrine taught in Holy Scripture. And I think, Bill, for your listeners, that's really important. They don't adopt the system of doctrine. They adopt those standards. That doesn't mean they would say things in exactly the same way, but that's their confession of faith. If you don't have those commitments in a man, you're going to run. You're going to have sand in a gearbox mm-hmm. in the session. So that's our first three meetings. And if we need to take more, we deal with that. And there can be ancillary readings and so on. Bottom line is, uh, we're not. I'm not asking if the man's read the four volumes of Herman Bovink, but you want the man to be able to subscribe to those standards and say they're mine. And, and that's fun, actually, to work through the issues and give him liberty to ask questions about things. Then the middle section, which is number four, that we deal with the qualifications. Because 1 Timothy and 3 and Titus 1 don't say it would be a good idea if mm-hmm. an elder is blameless. Yep. It's the elder must be. And I love to tell people, say, you know, if we said of Nicodemus, it would really be a good idea that you be born again. But it's not necessary. That's heresy. Well, it's the same thing here. These qualifications are must. The elder must be above reproach. He must be hospitable. And and I will go through all of those qualifications. Archie Allison has a a couple of excellent articles in Ordained Servant. I forget the issue, but people can Google it, where he just goes through those, the meaning of the words, implications, applications. And what's interesting, Bill, after that, there are men who will say, I don't think I'm ready for this right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a heart-searching time. And then there's men who say, you know, I've got some reservations, but I'm willing to work on things. But you take time dealing dealing with this. Then, I mean, the obvious one, a man must be a one-wife husband. If a guy opens up that he's having major problems with pornography. Well, <laughs> that you work on that issue, not that. Okay, but anyway, that's done. Then then the next uh, two sessions that we take <coughs> the next two sessions that we take are dealing one dealing with the elder and his work of rule. Mm-hmm. The elders who rule well are worthy of double honor. It's kind of a distillation of what we've given in the class. Right. And the other is shepherding, because we are the, the, the book of church order for the OPC is for the PCA, requires that men be involved in shepherding the flock. They're called out as pastors, small p. And so we'll deal with those things. Usually the third unit is, is very practical, nitty-gritty. This is what a session meeting. I, I should say the, it's actually the seventh meeting, but the third in this so-called practical section. Mm-hmm. It deals with what goes on in a session meeting. What do we do? How do we function? Why it's important that we meet. He's not in a session meeting. Our deacons will deacons in training will sit in on, on deacons' meetings and be given tasks. But for a lot of reasons, we don't want elders in training at that point to be in a meeting. Well, we fill them in on what it is. Sure. And then the man has actually a written exam based on the on the book of church order that he fills in. It's open book, but he he's got to approve the government discipline and worship of the OPC. So that's basically at least three classes on, or three meetings, I should say, going through our doctrinal standards, a huge one in the middle that deals with qualifications, 
one on ruling, one on shepherding. Those are the duties of the of the elders, and then uh, then then one on yeah, just again the nitty gritty of the session meeting, and then their take home exam. So that we usually do that over about a six month period. Now all the time. The people in the congregation know brother so and so is being trained. You have questions about brother so and so. You come to Pastor Shishko or to the elders or to him. That's a regular matter of prayer. That that undergirds what's done in the church. And and why does the congregation know? Because this is so important in Reformed and Presbyterian polity. Yeah. It's not the session that that hires. A pastor. The congregation calls out a pastor, which is what a ruling elder is. Mm -hmm. And and, and, I mean, even it's very interesting. It's kind of a convoluted way to put it, but but I don't know the way to do it. The 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 Book of Church Order, the OPC and the PCA, speaks of the general office of the believer. That the power of the church is not vested in the special offices alone, but in the whole church and. One of the great one of the great items of importance for the exercise of the general office of the believer is the exercise of the right to call out special offices. Now that's a fancy way of saying if Christ, if the Holy Spirit is preparing a man for office, we've got to be able to say to the congregation, we believe the Holy Spirit has may is making this man an overseer. It's the voice of the congregation that that recognizes that, not not just the session. Yep, that's a very interesting point too, and and one that I've often, as most of the listeners know, I'm a ruling elder in the PCA. But one of the things that I've tried to at least point out or, or explain, and, and you can either agree or disagree with this. Um, I think I know what you're going to say, but. Um, when you as a session identify this man, you take him through this training, and, and perhaps it could be a handful of men, and, and maybe you're looking for one elder, two elder. I don't, I don't know how you do it, that, you know, those dynamics. But when you get to the end of it, you obviously recommend to the congregation. Not yet. Oh, see, I'm getting ahead, I'm getting ahead of things. I've just failed the class. No. But, okay, well, let me jump ahead, and we'll come back. But okay. let's say we get to the point, you get to that point where you recommend to the congregation yeah. that you know, okay. this man is suitable he is he is qualified he is he can stand the uh, stand he's he's here to stand election right. are you saying to the congregation we really don't know and you guys are the final determiner determining factor in whether this person should be an elder or not i wouldn't put it like or that. are you saying we believe this man is called of god to be an elder in this congregation and now you need to vote in other words you're strongly recommending that they vote yes. Is that what you're it's saying? It's not exactly that, that. I'm going to really make this fun for you, Good. my dear Do brother. Do that. Okay. Let me, <laughs> Teach let me, me. Let me introduce the other part. Sure. There is a work of rule by the elders in this. And that work of rule, at least in the OPC, I don't know about the PCA, but in the OPC, it's something called certification. And this is one of these things where, where our book of church order simply says, after a man is certified for office, he's put before the congregation. $64,000 question. What on earth does that mean? Right. 
So our elders have a series of questions that we ask. A man is trained. I give a report. Everything went well. He doesn't, he doesn't have any exceptions to the confessional standards and so on. And so we have a series of questions that the elders ask. We ask the man to meet with us and we, and we do ask, uh, can you, can you conscientiously subscribe to the confession of faith and catechisms as the containing the system of doctrine? Do you have any questions about disagreements with? We don't, in the OPC, we don't use the lingo of exceptions. But do you have any problems, issues? And of course, hopefully by that time they don't. Um, are you willing to serve? Are you willing to, to be at the meetings? Would you be willing and able to make the visits to go to homes? Are, are you going to conscientiously attend the worship services? Of course, hopefully by that time they will. Uh, we go through the, the, um, the, the, the requirements. Insofar as you know your own heart, do you possess these, do you believe you possess these qualities? Blameless husband of one wife. What does your wife think of this? Mm, Is she supportive question. of you? Great question. What do your children think of this? Are they supportive? I don't have the questions in front of me, but I mean, your, your listeners could, could email me or the seminary we could gather. But that's really important. That's the elders saying. That we, we, we believe that if the man is called out by the congregation, we're not laying hands hastily on him. Insofar as we can understand this, we believe this man possesses the gifts and graces for the office of the elder. But Christ speaks through the church as a whole to say, yes, I believe this man has the gifts, and I want him to be a ruling elder in this congregation. Mm. Now, how does that fit with your description? I don't know. Well, I think it was what I was trying to get at is that is that though you guys do not act in an autocratic, there's the term, one of the terms for right. our class, you don't just impose upon the congregation this man that you think is called. But at the same time, you're not putting a man in front of the congregation that you are completely oblivious to either. Correct. You are strongly, you as a session are, are strongly in agreement that this man's qualified. Absolutely. But you Absolutely. guys have to, as a congregation who has to submit to him and submit to right. him as he serves on the session, have to... I don't want to use the rat word ratify. That's really not a good. But you, as a congregation, they also well, they're, identify. They're recu- the they recognize. They recognizing. It too. Sure, absolutely. See, I, it, we would say, you know, insofar as Christ is speaking through us as your representatives, we believe this man has the gifts and graces for the eldership and should serve in this congregation. Mm-hmm. But we're not the congregation, and and we're not honoring. I think either the scriptures or the book of church order. I mean that now there is in fairness. There is not a lot of information in the New Testament how elders were recognized, but you use the pattern with the deacons. And when it says call out from among you, the language is actually the language of, of the raising of a hand. Yep. Vote for. Now, we don't use the word. We talk about calling out a person. It's organic again. You come to the congregation. Now, oh, we also, when we've certified a man, we give a few weeks, two or three weeks, after we announce that, because we usually do that in December, congregational meeting would be in February. So we're talking about o- over a month, actually. And we say, look, you have any questions of this man, any concerns, come to us, come to him, and so on. Now, by that time, people have been praying. Hopefully people have brought their concerns. And, and we're not a, a huge church. It's not like we're dealing with a 1,000 people. So we know things pretty well. Come to the congregational meeting. In In most cases... You know, people will, will, will dismiss the person uh, and his family and let the congregation discuss it. We'll ask for testimonies. 
uh, questions or testimonies. But but in most cases, people will will race, stand up and say, you know, this brother, he came to my home mm. when when my when my husband died, and he with his wife ministered to me, mm. and 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 I could sense the comfort of Christ through him. Or or this man has taught my child in a catechism class and the impact. He said, now what is that? That that's the Holy Spirit forming that man. Now, if the elders should be so oblivious to real serious problems, you, you, you know, citizen councils may err, sessions may err. You would hope somebody would raise your hand and, and say, "Are the elders aware that it is a known fact that brother so and so has a drinking problem?" Now, hopefully, they will have brought that up before. Yeah, you would think. But, but I mean, these are checks and balances. Our our yep. sessions sessions are not popes. Yep. So all again, that's why we use the word organ. Now, when the vote comes, and I this is thrilling, when when you can announce that a vote is unanimous for brother so and so, and we're not coercing people here. Wow, these people have prayed the Lord raise up elders. They've been praying for him. They've been taught to go to him, uh, deal with him, or go to the elders, or whatever it would be. We say this is the voice of Christ. Calling with good order, calling out a man from a congregation—that's mm. thrilling. Now, that's why we don't have term eldership. Right. I mean, these men are called out as as pastors, small p. Sure. We've been, I've been in a church um, years ago that uh, when they got to this stage um, in the process, they uh, there was a gentleman's agreement with the candidate, for lack of a better word, um, that he had to receive eighty percent yeah. vote. It was a gentleman's agreement. Mm-hmm. It's not in the BCO. It right. wasn't anything that was True. written down anywhere. But the session there believed that if you can't garner 80% of the congregation to support that they believe God is calling you to this office, then you probably shouldn't be in the office. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a good rule of thumb. What we would do, and in, in, what we would do is, I think, is done with pastors, is if something like that happened, then then we would probably ask that there be another vote since 80% of our brethren have have uh, recognized this just to show that there would be a submission to this brother we'll have another vote and and they essentially are acting in submission to their brother i don't think but i'm trying to remember i guess maybe we've had one case like that i was going to ask you if you've experienced that i don't i, I mean maybe we you know going back a long way you sure, know the memory right. doesn't always serve me the right, best right. but at least not i would say in the last 10 years or so because this process has, if you'll excuse the expression, this this process has kind of evolved in our yep. church. It's been organic, but it is thrilling. Uh, when 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 in our last one two cases of ruling elders called out within the last four or five years, I think they were both unanimous, and that was thrilling to hear the response of the people. Mm. But I think it's the care with which the elders do things, and 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 um, and it, it's just I, I know if it, this is not a ruling elder. But with the case of calling out my associate many years ago, Ben Miller, in that case, we had about two dozen written testimonies. And you could do this as well. Oh, and remember when we go back, the ruling elder has to have a good testimony among those who are without. Mm-hmm. So we have a form. Yep, I've that, seen it. Yeah, and we, we get permission from the candidate to go to the man's employer and give him a copy of that. 
and 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 he gives permission to his employer to speak with us. Those have been very interesting. The last one I remember, the 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 ruling elder candidate, his boss was a Muslim. Oh wow! And it was interesting. He said, "I don't agree with this man's religious convictions." But would that all of our employees had that kind of integrity. That's a great testimony. Yeah. So, so I mean, you've, you have to take these things seriously and deal with them. Yep. And it sounds like you have, and 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 that really prompts the the the, the last question I want to ask you because we are right at the hour. We we prom I promised we'd be done, but I I would do want to ask this question in a practical sense because um well, that's something I always try to do on the podcast and leave it. You know, okay, so what? I'm never going to be an elder. Maybe I want to be an elder, but I'm not really sure. Or maybe this is just heady theology, and that's great for a bunch of talking heads to sit around and talk about. Why is this subject so extremely important for the church? You read the warnings about the way the shepherds in the Old Testament were responsible for the scattering of the sheep. Mm. And our Lord, in a day in which there were many shepherds, quote-unquote, his gut was wrenched because they were as sheep not having shepherds. The Apostle Paul giving the warnings to elders to watch for themselves and for others. If we really, we believe the Bible and we take those things seriously, I'm not overstating it, the eternal life and death of congregation members, humanly speaking, is at stake in the way those elders work. Now, I know it's to a minister, but take heed to yourself and to your teaching that you might save those, that you might save both yourself and those who hear you. I think that's pretty serious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And, and, and you're right. It can't be overstated. Uh, churches exactly. have, churches have blown up because of poor eldership, have blown up because processes were short-circuited. Uh, politics got involved in the selecting of men for an office that God says he picks. Amen. That's and, right. Um, so when you don't take it seriously and don't play by the rules that God established, uh, you know you you suffer the due consequence of those decisions. And and so that it, in a sense is a really a challenge to our churches and and men who are listening to this and perhaps are on sessions. I, I don't doubt that that happens. Um, realize this is not something we do in a day or a week or a month. It's it's a long process of identifying men that God is calling to it. We don't do it. It's not our. We don't call them to that. We, we're the instruments by which that happens, but we are not the ultimate ones, the ones that ultimately do this. And and it's serious because it's his church, not ours. And in this way, this is the way you can look at Acts twenty, over which over which the Holy Spirit, or among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Mm. From the time people have prayed. The elders have prayed, recognition, rule. Yeah, the Holy Spirit's been in back of all of those things, including forming this man. It's liberating to be able to say that. Yep, takes the pressure off a little. Just a bit. Just a bit. Well, I'm going to put the article link on the website, the confessingourhope.com website, so the others can, there's there's more there. We didn't get into everything that's in there, but the article is very helpful. And if you're interested in it, um, I will have the link to it uh, when I produce this so as you're listening to this right now, obviously, because nobody's listening to it right now except for the two in the room, but when you eventually are listening to this and you like, I want to read that article and it's complete in, in its entirety, uh, the link will be there. Go read it, and um, it, I think you'll be edified, and it's a benefit, and, and I would strongly encourage you 
to do that. Pastor Cisco, I know it's been a long day for you. You've been, um, well, you know, it's just been a long day. I, I can identify with it, and I haven't been doing all the talk. All right, I'm so, from the New York City area. This is nothing. Yeah, and and, and I didn't say that, too, because I don't want to upset too many people. But, you know, it's not, it's really nice to do a podcast with a fellow New Yorker. Um, and, by the way, he is a Yankee fan, too. I uh, just want to point that out. Okay. But, uh, anyway, it's been great. And Thank you, Talking Bill. quickly about a, a very important subject. Thank you so much. Really, I'm honored. Really appreciate it. Uh, just to give everybody a real quick update as what we're going to do. Next week we'll be um, – talking with Dr. Nick Wilborn, who's done extensive study and look, in fact, has written an article in the Confessional Presbyterian on the office of deacon. So these two subjects really marry up very nicely as we're trying to deal with these particular issues. We're also going to be speaking with uh, Dr. Ryan McGraw, who is um, a faculty member here at Greenville Seminary on a book he has done on John Owen and um, other matters that we're going to be dealing with into the new year. So if you want to find out that information, confessingourhope.com is where you can get that information. So until next time, we do thank you for listening to this particular edition of Confessing Our Hope, the podcast of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. And God bless.